This is Archive Atlanta, episode 59, Introducing What's Next ATL. Hey guys, happy Friday. So this week we're doing things a little differently. You're here because you love hearing about Atlanta's past, but do you ever think about its future? In 2018, I fell in love with another local podcast called What's Next ATL. Host Kate Sweeney not only has the most incredible radio voice, but through conversations with other Metro Atlantans, I learned so much about affordable housing, how to solve our infamous traffic situation, and even one episode that made me want to become a semi-truck driver. It will open your eyes to the issues that the region faces as it continues to grow. Their new season launched last week, and today I want to share that first episode with you. What do you think Metro Atlanta will look like in 2050? And what do we want to do now to make it the place we want it to be then? Keep listening to find out. So go with me here. You've taken a trip in a time machine. Destination, the year 2050. You step out in your very own neighborhood. What do you hope to see? I guess what I would look forward to is is a more safe community that is walkable. Uh, Transportation would be on the top of that list too. I guess with the flying cars or whatever, <laughs> so we wouldn't have parking issues. And cut down on emissions. Yeah, cut down on some emissions. This is a group of neighbors from East Point's Egan Park neighborhood. They've gathered at Louisiana Bistro, a local Cajun spot, for one of ARC's future focused civic dinners. ARC civic dinners are these dinner parties in which people talk about issues important to our region's future. They're fun. You should host one. Anyway, the topic for this Egan Park dinner is the future, the future of East Point and of the entire Atlanta region. And as we'll hear this episode, that future is on the minds of many people, and for good reason. The latest population estimates have Metro Atlanta reaching 8.6 million by 2050. That's adding 2.9 million people, which is the equivalent of Metro Denver coming to town over the next three decades. I'm going to give you a moment to process that one. Okay, back with me. So this Egan Park group moves way beyond the flying cars to talk about a lot of things, like their hope for a demonstrated commitment to diversity and equity as the region continues to grow. The sound quality here isn't great, but it's worth a listen. Like right now, they're talking about the developments that are happening with the quarry. But if you go south of I-20, I don't see that same level of development. The new urbanism, any of that happening here, if most people say history repeats itself. So that's why I say if it's what I expect, it's, it's different than what I want. How do we, as ordinary citizens, get from what we expect to what we want? I mean, Metro Atlanta is not just one city or one county, it's dozens. And we can't even predict everything that's heading our way. E-scooters and all of the issues that we're dealing with, any planner who told you that they saw that coming, sorry, they're lying. Welcome to season two of What's Next ATL, powered by the Atlanta Regional Commission, where we explore the big new ideas shaping Metro Atlanta. I'm Kate Sweeney. This season, we're focusing laser-like on how to build the communities we want as we head into our future. We'll start this episode with the absolute broadest view of our future, and then take it to our individual cities, neighborhoods, and workplaces, and we'll end up in your house. Not to sound creepy, 
We begin with a preeminent voice on all this, someone who's an international authority on helping regions like ours plan for the future. Find out what we can expect up next. We start out looking at the big picture with someone who has built a life out of studying it. My name is Glenn Heemstra. I am a uh, futurist. And what that means is what I do every day is uh, I get up and first of all, I have a sort of insatiable learning appetite. And so I'm always learning about a variety of things that are shaping the future. Heemstra has spent about three decades consulting communities and organizations around the world. And he spent a lot of time right here in Metro Atlanta. So we asked him to talk with us about what he sees for our future, what we need to be aware of as we try to build the community we want. As you'll hear, Heemster's the kind of guy who likes lists. And he says that this sort of planning is more important than ever these days for three reasons. We are very much um, sort of atomized by social media. Number two, uh, we clearly live in a more politically polarized time. And so it's harder for disparate political views to come together and say this is the kind of community that we want to have because we don't really even want to have that conversation. But the good news is that when people sit down and say, well, the kind of town I'd like to live in, the kind of city I'd like to live in, the kind of neighborhood I'd like to live in, there's a lot of commonality in that. And uh, so that, that can be very powerful. And then the final thing I would say is, I think we're entering a period of pretty significant change slash opportunity. Now it's driven by environmental issues, it's driven by economic issues. There's going to be a lot of significant challenges. I heard somebody just a couple of days ago say, we're about to move beyond the concept of wanting to build sustainable communities to building communities that are regenerative on the concept that, that we've done a lot of damage depending on where you look and we need to regenerate, whether that's regenerative agriculture or regenerative downtowns or regenerative housing or whatever it might be. And that's a really interesting kind of concept and suggests to me that it's time for a doubling of our effort to say, this is the kind of community that we want to build, say, between now and 2050. It's going to be a real critical time period, I think, in human and community history. When I look ahead at trends from now to 2050, uh, some of the ones that stand out to me are, number one, just this is a, an ongoing trend. It's been going on for 60 or 70 years, and you can just think of it as the IT trend. The continued automization, digitization of work, of living, of entertainment, and so on. And that has just an ongoing effect on how we organize work, how we organize communities, it's going to affect transportation, for example. I was standing on a street corner uh, here in Atlanta thinking how nice it is that I can stand on any street corner and I can call up a car sharing service, an Uber or a Lyft, and go anywhere I want to in the city, whether Marta is going there or not. And that, that kind of thing is going to continue. It gives us lots of opportunity, but of course puts a lot of pressure on traditional jobs and traditional ways of doing things. That's number one, and it just it's just there in the background. The second one is, the next 20 years or so is going to be very much around energy transitions in response to what's happening in the environment. Now the good news is that that's going to be led mostly by economic advantage because it becomes cheaper and cheaper to do things in low carbon output kinds of ways, it turns out, than it is with the more traditional, let's say, fossil fuel energy. The third trend is one that's kind of challenging, and that is the emergence of, a, of the next generation of young people 
a sort of post-millennial generation. Millennials are not the kids anymore. So it's the next generation. There's actually two and a half billion of them worldwide. We call them Generation Z, born after 1995. They're the first generation really to have grown up after the World Wide Web. They're much more environmentally conscious. They're much more inclined to want to live in urban areas or at least metro areas. And they're pretty dissatisfied with the way that things are now. And so engaging them in the conversation about what we want our future communities to be like seems especially valuable and especially important. Some technology innovations that could change how we live include these. Number one, the dream of everybody for the flying vehicle. It's still crazy, but there are continuing efforts. And I was with a research director from NASA not that long ago who says, yeah, there, there will be personal or small flying vehicles that will be useful in cities to get from here to there at a reasonable cost. And there'll be electric vehicles that are then charged up. I know it's crazy to have a futurist talk about flying vehicles, but someday they're going to happen. That's number one. Num number two, it will be what I would call microgrids, the emergence of more effort to generate and use energy at local levels because we can do it with solar energy primarily. That could include solar glass that's cladding a lot of what are now high-rise towers, rooftop solar, but other kinds of, of generation capacity that uh, bring us to what local and microgrids for energy. I think that's, that's quite interesting. The third one is a desire of people to live in close proximity, that is, within the city. And so an emphasis on more housing within metro areas, which is still a challenge that most metro areas really haven't sufficiently met. And it's, it's a real tough one because it's really hard to figure out how to do that in an affordable way. Uh, but that, that's one that's there. In order for the Atlanta region to be really healthy, really vibrant, still be a great place to, to, to live, work, and so on. In 2050, I would say leaders here should focus on the following things. Obviously, you've got you've to stay economically vibrant. So you've got to think about uh, keeping a, a healthy business climate and this kind of spreading out of businesses, not everything centered in one place. Transportation is always a challenge here, but I would continue to, to do your very best to, to think kind of in creative ways about that, not purely auto-centered, and not purely big transit-centered either, but really try to think creatively about mobility. But I would begin to assume that we'll probably be less car-centric by 2050 than we are now, as hard as that is to imagine. I would also be thinking about the great demand to be uh, as energy efficient as you, as you can be. I just think that that's gonna be advantageous economically, but it's also gonna be uh, important for environmental survival. And then Atlanta historically was a place where we tried to get past our social and demographic differences to take advantage of our diversity. If I was here and waving a magic wand, I would hope that Atlanta would truly be even a new kind of leader in that, because we probably need that more than ever right now. Those are the key ones, I would say. That's futurist Glenn Heemstra. What a job title, right? So that's one version of the long view. Next question is, how do you take the tough step and go from all that visioning to actually creating concrete plans that take that vision into account? That's up ahead. 
we've been talking about the baby boomers turning 65 for 30 years. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we're surprised that they're doing it. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like, really, people? I'm not even going to say my age, but I'm going to be right there with you. So when I look to the future is having smart growth, and I want to still be able to enjoy the green space and walk to the store and, and commune with people who are 50 years younger than me. Hey there, as you may know, each week on the show, we ask you a question and then talk about the responses the following episode. And our first question this season, you have taken Marty McFly's DeLorean to future Metro Atlanta. When you step off in 2050, what do you most hope to notice immediately? Let us know. Go to the page for this episode at whatsnextatl.org slash podcast and tell us what matters most to you. Results next week. Before we get to our final segment today, I'd like to offer you this bonus segment. We're talking about the future, and as part of its public planning outreach in the 1990s, ARC reached out to elementary school students to ask them to write postcards to the distant year of 2020. Reading these is like cracking open and adorable and sometimes prescient and sometimes sort of heartbreaking time capsule. Here are some excerpts read for you by some kids of 2019. Year 2020, the way I want it to be. I would like for the cars to be different. I would like to have a car that is in the air. I would like for the store to deliver food to my house. I would like to sit at home and watch TV and not go to work. While all of this is happening, I want to be president. I would like for there to be no more homeless people. Dear Future, I am so sorry there is going to be a lot of water everywhere you go because the sun is so hot and that the ice will melt and water is going to be on the floor. I think horses are going to have to fly because of water and people are going to need jetpacks. In the year 2020, I would like life to be like the Jetsons. In the Jetsons, you order dinner from a machine and the machine pops out the food. In the Jetsons, they are also moving sidewalks. I also think it's neat how George Jetson's car folds into a suitcase. That's how I'd like life to be in 2020. In the year of 2020, I would like everything to be remote control. When talking on the phone, I would like to see the person I am talking to. Also in the year 2020, there will not be gangs, drugs, guns, or poor people. And everyone will live in a big house. Also, I would like for every child to own a computer that they can speak to instead of typing words on the keyboard. I cannot wait till this year comes. In the year 2020, it would be nice if you could just push a button and your room will be clean or your homework would be done. But I don't think your parents or teachers would be too happy about it. In the year 2020, transportation will be very different than it is today. I think cars will be a lot cheaper and almost everyone will have one. There won't be any trains or buses because everyone will have a car. Oh, I almost forgot, the cars will be solar powered. It's going to be weird. In the year 2020, there will be delivery in McDonald's. All you have to do is call them, give you your order, and they will deliver it. Same for the clothes stores. First, look at a catalog and then tell them the item number and it will be delivered the very same day. You won't even have to go out and buy them. In the year of 2020, I will be 35. The world will be computers. Children will not have to go to school. 
In the year 2020, I would like to have solar-powered cars. That way, it would help save the Earth and it would be safe. There will also be no more gas stations around anywhere and more places to put there that we need. That is my vision of 2020. Postcards from the past. You can look at some of the great drawings these same kids in the 90s did on the fronts of their postcards at the page for this episode at whatsnextatl.org slash podcast. Now, back to the future. Wait a minute, Doc. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Uh, real funny. In the first part of the show, we heard about some of the things that could have a major impact on Metro Atlanta's future in the long term. Factors like shifting technologies, energy sources, and modes of transportation. Well, it's the tough job of our next guests to take expert research and wisdom and turn them into actual plans to move us in the direction of having the communities we want. How does that happen? This question is especially germane now, as the Atlanta Regional Commission, which puts out this podcast, is preparing its update to its major blueprint for the region, called the Atlanta Regions Plan. If you listen to our summer bonus episode, you learned all about the plan. It influences everything from economic growth to jobs to transportation. But as I was talking with ARC planners Melissa Roberts and David Haynes for our bonus episode, it made me wonder something much more basic. How do you do it? And so I rounded up David and Melissa again, these two are really game, to talk more in depth about how planning takes us from vision to reality. We started by talking about the big year this Atlanta Regions Plan update goes to, 2050. Isn't that scary? 2050, yeah. Yeah, to even think about that. I know, but it's coming whether we like it or not, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Dear listener, your region's planners aren't end-of-the-world gloom-and-doom types. They're just jokesters. In the case of David Haynes, a very dry jokester. So, but I want to ask you, I mean, how useful are plans like this one really? Like, I think some people might wonder if they sit up on a shelf somewhere. What has planning like this enabled the metro region to do that we wouldn't have otherwise been able to accomplish? Well, we're currently enjoying the benefits of a lot of good planning that was done in the 50s, the 60s, and 70s, the latter half of the 20th century. You know, we have Lake Lanier, we have Hartsfield-Jackson Airport, we've got MARTA. David also mentions ARC planning programs that in recent years have helped downtowns transform themselves into more walkable spaces. But of course, planning has not always led to the greatest of outcomes either. You know, we can't see the future perfectly, and sometimes there are unintended consequences, and we're dealing with some of those today. You know, we have issues with congestion and sprawl, income inequality, housing affordability issues, and a lot of that is the direct result of some of those decisions that have been made. So that's our challenge is how do we address those problems and think about where we want to be 20 and 30 years in the future and start thinking about, you know, what are some of those possible unintended consequences and what do we do to be proactive to mitigate them or prevent them? Yeah, you're actually taking into account like a really wide variety of factors that affect the region when doing this planning. And these things interact with each other as well. For example, I mean, like problems with transportation and housing impact whether or not people are able to get to their jobs. How difficult is long-term planning like this? 
it's it's hard. Um, and to say it's hard is almost like, yeah, that's the understatement of the century, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's like a moving target. Well, one of the reasons I think planning, long-range planning, is so difficult is uh, clearly we're taking on massive challenges, but a real problem is just consensus. Not everybody wants the same thing. Uh, not everybody wants to, maybe some people want the same outcome, but they don't want the same strategies to get there. Mm. <laughs> Who's going to pay for what? So a lot of what ARC is doing is understanding the range of strategies, um, really speaking with the public and our elected officials and planners to figure out how we can all work together uh, to get to the future we want, but also just the way that we want to go about getting there. And I would say what makes planning right now particularly challenging is we're, we're at sort of an inflection point when it comes to technology and thing, the world is changing and it's changing very fast. So I think with all of the challenges that we have today, it would be hard enough to plan for the year 2050 if the world looked exactly like it does today. But we know that's not going to happen. And all you have to do is think back. You know, we're, we're talking about looking 30 years in the future. What if you look 30 years back to the year 1990? Think about how different the world is. You know, the internet, first and foremost, still in its infancy at the time. There were no such thing as smartphones. I know. Like, like me in 1990, I was hanging out with Prodigy. Yes. Which was this <laughs> internet service with bulletin boards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, AOL chat rooms. You know, and you don't leave the house anymore without checking Waze or Google Maps to see what traffic's going to be like. All those things that you order on your phone through Amazon, how that's impacted the, the retail landscape and how that's increased truck traffic, you know, with all these deliveries. And that's even before you get into how it's just affected us as a society, how we interact with it, mm-hmm. you know, the privacy concerns, the security concerns, all of that. So, you know, what we really struggle with is trying to identify what is that next big thing that's going to fundamentally change how how we we live, work, and play. Right. Uh, c- can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> if I knew that, I would be rich and retired. So, like, what do we do about these things then? Like, in, in all seriousness, what do we do about the things that we can't predict? Like, I guess you think it call them disruptors. What do we do about those things? Well, I think that you try to keep up with, you know, what's happening in the world. You you read a lot, you go to conferences, you listen to a lot of different people and viewpoints. And sometimes you're on the forefront of some of this stuff and you see it coming and you can start having policy discussions around them. Other times, quite honestly, you're going to get caught flat-footed. And I think the perfect example right now is if you went back a couple of years and you asked any planner whether they foresaw you know the e-scooters and how big they were going to become and how fast they were going to be adopted and all of the issues that we're dealing with trying to figure out how how they function as part of an integrated transportation system any planner who told you that they saw that coming sorry they they're lying and that's just one very specific example but it's a good example but trying to figure out are scooters still going to be here 10 20 years from now or is this a passing fad Will the venture capital dry up? Will there be something even better that comes along that makes these seem passe? Who knows? In just about every conversation I had this season with older people, younger people, policymakers, even kids, e-scooters kept coming up. Man, people want to talk about some e-scooters right now. Demonstrating, I suppose, the power of this disruptor. 
planners David Haynes and Melissa Roberts joined us for that segment. Next time, as we continue our quest to get the communities we want, we'll be moving from the bird's eye view of regional planners down to our individual cities and neighborhoods. And we'll hear the story of one metro Atlanta city that's pretty famously shifted things up. So now we have young people who, you know, went to Woodstock High School and said, I never want to come back to Woodstock. And then they come back and they're like, oh, this transformation happened and now I'm going to come back and open a business here. One community that's made major transformations and its lessons for the rest of us. That's next time. If you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend or share an episode on social. You can also rate and review us on Apple's podcast app, which helps more people to find the show. Thanks to all our guests this week, the attendees at the Egan Park Civic Dinner who let us record. And again, have you gone to a civic dinner yet? They're great. Thanks also to Ella and Landon Campbell, Mackie Summers, Camilla, Tyler, Bellamy and Isaiah Guerreri, Tali Donsky, Her Royal Highness, Arya Josephine Lord Santil, and Master Emil Julian Santil, and Malia Wilkins for reading our postcards to the future from the late 90s. And you know, the group of 21st century children that I got together with to read these asked what the deal was with these repeated mentions of flying cars. And then we get to the postcard from the kid who mentions the Jetsons. No. Have you ever seen the TV show Meet George Jetson? No. Okay. <laughs> just so there's a point of cultural reference. Okay, I did not so know what that was. here I'm just going to show you the trailer. It's so funny. Sci-fi? If you missed that, one of them asked, is this sci-fi? So it's like everyone lives in space. That was very in the future. Yeah. Like, so it's the Jetsons. Wow. Okay. That's maybe two in the future. Kids these days and their complete lack of flying cars. What are you going to do? Anyway, see you next week.